Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans, Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Ah, you got to love it. The Hangtime Podcast. Back again. Seku Smith, your host here in Atlanta, alongside my co-host, Lang Whitaker. What's up, man? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Just making sure you didn't get traded. I mean, uh, Uh, we traded you to the UK. (laughs) I thought thought you might have got it traded to the uh, Premier League or something. Are you (laughs) going to work for MediaTakeout.com or something? Just making sure you're still employed with the same team you were last week, man. It seems like everybody got traded last week, right? It was. What, I mean, what's it what's was funny awesome. is we did that podcast on when Wednesday, or, yeah, and then everything changed within like twelve hours of finishing it. Well, the funny thing is, I remember after the Carmelo deal went down, I was the goon that wrote something like, "Yeah, let's see if anybody else has the you know the guts to pull the trigger on a big deal." Blah blah. Uh, yeah, thirty uh, somebody else has had the guts yeah. to do it. It was. It was. I, I loved it. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of chaos, and and Thursday was like this. It was just pure entropy. I mean, it was like the best storm of things that could happen. Like I was waiting at three o'clock. I was like, please let somebody else get traded right at two fifty nine. You know, and yeah. it, and that's what happened. I mean, it was just nonstop deals. Even the the deals that didn't get done were fun. Like you know, I thought OJ Mayo was getting traded to yeah. Indiana for uh, my boy Josh McRoberts. That fell through. So, you know, we had some fun with that. Um, but the league is different. I mean, everybody woke up Friday morning to a whole different NBA, man. This totally. is not the same league uh, you went to bed you know, bed with on Wednesday night of last week. So, I mean, in, in looking back at what was done and there were, you know, a litany of deals, what what sticks out in your mind is the, the ones that will have the, the greatest impact now and perhaps, you know, in the future line? The two off the top of my head that have the – Biggest immediate impact are New York and uh, Oklahoma City. Right. I don't. I. I assume you agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, to me, you know, if you got the best player, that's that's the first lick. You know, getting Carmelo right. for the Knicks, and he was. I think you could argue he and Darren Williams, but 
you know, they were the two best players moved. Um, but Carmelo has moved to a much better situation right now in terms of their chances of winning. So, yeah, I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. I thought – and, uh, you know, I think one of the fun teams to watch now is <laughs> is Denver – now that they've moved Carmelo, you know, that first game after he was gone, they were, they just kind of went crazy out there and, and <laughs> cut loose, I guess. But so even since then, like they lost at Portland in overtime, but they've, uh, they're a fun team to watch, you know, now that they, they're, they're just really moving the ball and all flying up and down the court. They're, they're, they're going to be fun down the stretch. Yeah. Micah had a, we, Mike and I had a discussion last week, you know, kind of, you know, how, you know, what kind of team do you have left after you make this kind of deal? And, we were arguing over who's, who's you know supporting cast was stronger. Whether you know Carmelo had a stronger cast in Denver, or with what he has in New York now. And um, we're talking about guys like Aaron Aflalo and these players. Yeah. You forget how good you have to be to play in the NBA sometimes, and it takes a shakeup, you know, to to kind of shine a light on that. But yeah, those those reserves and role players in Denver, like you said, man, they I don't know how long they'll make it last. Like I don't know if they can keep it up, but just watching them play with a, with the freedom of you know not having this these rumors and all this stuff hanging over their season, um, you know it makes you wonder what might have been if all this stuff hadn't gone on for seven months with Carmelo. Right. Yeah. Totally. And you know, I also I like what Portland did too. Yeah. That that's been pretty quiet. I think people haven't talked about that. It's kind of overshadowed by the other ones, but adding Gerald Wallace to that front line is, is pretty scary. Yeah, it was interesting. I watched them last night. The Hawks, yeah, me too. Hawks kind of had their way with him for most of the night, but. Uh, you know, seeing Gerald Wallace run out there, it it was yeah. like an energy boost, man. It was like instant five-hour energy when he ran on that floor. They're explosive with him out there. and Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Hawks, the Hawks, Blazers weren't playing particularly well, and then all of a sudden, bang, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> when they scored 14 in a row or something, like they, they're, they're going to be tough. So I got a question for you guys in sort of looking back at the way some of these teams went at the deadline. You know, you look at a team like Phoenix that, that did a little bit, but – but really didn't do much, and you kind of felt like, well, they're probably thinking about next season. Now all of a sudden with the way that, you know, what happened in Utah and, and maybe Denver, all of a sudden the playoffs are back in uh, back in play. Does it seem to you that some of these teams kind of just decided that even just making the playoffs wasn't good enough for them and they needed to look more long-term? It seemed to me it used to be, well, you at least wanted to make the playoffs and that was something you could hang your hat on. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how much of what was done was inspired by – you know, hey, we're trying to do something for this season to to chase a championship or to chase a playoff berth, and how much of what went on was we're we're thinking about the long term, you know, future of the franchise and the financial structure we might have with a new CBA, and we have to do this, 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 and this now to make sure we're in a sound position. Then, I I think you know we talked about Oklahoma City and Boston and some of these deals that went down. You know, basically some of these teams were trading away guys they were going to have to pay big money to or might have had to pay big money to depending on what the new CBA is to to make sure they're not caught in the same position the Nuggets were with Carmelo. Right. Uh, you know, and the the Jazz decided, hey, we're not going to play the game with Darren right. Williams. We'll move him now to, to eliminate the possibility of dealing with that. So, I, you know, to me it was kind of a mixed bag. It, some of it was, hey, we're trying to win and win right now, and some of it was – we're not. We don't want the headaches that we've seen some other, you know, middle market teams have going into this thing. I think the one team that was like that you can definitely look at and say it was a win right now thing was Oklahoma City. Yes, yes. Um, because Perk is such a great fit on there, and uh, they they look pretty. Did you watch yesterday? That game? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They looked pretty good yesterday. They, uh, uh, you know, and, and it dawned on me watching them. 
how I, I think Ron Artest said, I, I, I think I stuck this in a blog post earlier today uh, on Hang Time, but Artest said something like, um, you know, I'm getting older, but and he was talking about his matchup with Kevin Durant, and he was kind of like, I'm getting older, but he's coming into his prime, so I have to give 100% every night or every time I face him. And, and to me, that's like that's, – that's the perfect way to say it about not only his matchup with Durant, but the Lakers and basically everybody other than the Spurs and Celtics that they would be competing with for a championship. They're getting older, and, you know, and everybody that's chasing them is in the – basically coming into their prime. So if they don't play at a high level – Basically every night they're vulnerable, you know, to the age and wear and tear that chasing titles for as long as they have is taken on their on their system. I think the Thunder to me remind me so much of the Bulls in the East in that their position to compete not just this season but like you know for the next four or five years with the yeah. way their roster's made up. Yeah, I agree. And I, again, I mean, I think the Bulls are the team no one talks about. <laughs> I mean, for as, <laughs> as good as they've been, and they're forty and seventeen. I know, you know? it's we, ridiculous. Yeah, no one really happens to talk about them. So I, I think the Bulls and the Thunder are probably the two teams to keep an eye on going into the playoffs that are most set up to to knock off one of the. It's it's kind of weird to say they would knock off one of the contenders because they are contenders. Okay, but yeah. I think Oklahoma City and Chicago are the two teams best suited for the uh, to make a little playoff run here. They obviously had a nice win on Thursday against the Heat, but do you feel like they missed an opportunity at the deadline, not not adding? I mean, I know a lot of their fans are upset they didn't get you know, another Chicago. two guard or something. I, I didn't think so. I mean, unless you knew you were hitting a home run with that two, like you're going to get a guy who you knew could push you into that next stratosphere, which they're right there. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, could they be, you know, could they get better at that spot? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of teams could get better at certain spots. But if you're right there, I don't know that it's worth risking whatever they would have had to risk to to yeah. pull in the type of player their fans assume, and, you know. If you're 40 and 17 without <laughs> that, maybe you don't trade away the, the core and you address it in this offseason instead or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I for, almost forgot after, you know, the, what a great weekend we had around the league, how good that Thursday night game was like. We had yeah. two. We had two really good Thursday night games after the after the deadline. I'm telling you, I was wiped out Friday morning. I don't know. <laughs> I was on fumes all Friday morning, thinking, "Good Lord, you know what else could we possibly do? What else could possibly happen?" And then we get to the weekend. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because if uh, if if the if the Bulls end up playing the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs, that's sort of like that's their alternate future. <laughs> Carmelo, you know, having yeah. Dang and Noah still, and not having Carmelo, kind of seeing how that works out. Yeah. I mean, I, personally, I would like—I wouldn't mind seeing the Heat and the Knicks in the playoffs. To me, that that game we saw Sunday yep. is is a fantastic preview of what could be if you get two teams with you know two of these star teams where they where they piled up some you know top top line superstars on on you know the same rosters and see how they fare going at each other. I, I would look, all I know is these next few weeks are, are just the the best appetizer for what should be a crazy playoffs because I don't know that there's any. You know, I thought for a long time the Lakers were the clear-cut favorite to win it, and I don't know now that if if you can just say this team or that team, because I think Boston certainly, uh, you know, not necessarily took a step back, but but provided their challengers a, a little more opening, you know, in terms of coming after them in the playoffs without the threat of Kendrick Perkins and KG and Shaq and those guys, you know, in the paint. Right. 
I, I mean, I also, as you said, I, I thought LA was sort of the favorite heading into the season too. But I mean, can, can we just overlook San Antonio or Dallas in the uh, West? You know, no, <laughs> Dallas is rolling again. Yeah. San Antonio has never stopped rolling. Yeah, and um, Boston, like you said, in yeah. the East has been pretty dominant. Um, I mean, I know we don't talk about San Antonio ton, which is not San Antonio's fault. That's really a, that's just the fault of all of us for not, you know, not yapping about it all the time. But uh, you got to appreciate what they've done. I mean, playing, you know, these teams that play at another level for from the start to the finish. You remember when Boston did it right after the big three got together? Yeah. I don't think any. I don't think people appreciate how hard that is to get up. Night after night, and you know, and chase a sixty-some win season. That is just a consistency. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. every night, you know, you got to bring it every night. Um, it's pretty impressive, but I, I do want to, I do want to, like, you know, examine the, the what Boston did a little bit more, and uh, hopefully, we'll get some some guests on here today on the Hang Time Podcast to uh, to kind of quiz somebody who's in the know about, you know, why would they do this? Because I, you know, I, I was on another show over the weekend. And it was in L.A. And uh, they were going off about why in the world would, you know, would the Celtics do this? You know, the one thing that they had in their back pocket was this size advantage and this, you know, this idea that people were fearful of having to to deal with their size. And now it's gone. You know, I think they still have a size advantage over most teams, but they they don't have the depth that they had. I think that's the, the... You know, losing and Erden Erdan, or I can't even pronounce it. Simi Erden <laughs> had played pretty well, and uh, I, you know, with with him gone and Perk, uh, I agree. It's, it was just it was sort of a strange, strange move to see them do, and it, it was something nobody had talked about. No, it kind of came out of the blue. Did you uh, did you think you would be talking about Timothy Mozgov and Simi Erden or Erdan or whatever his name is as much as you as much as you did at the deadline at the start of this year? I mean. It's true. It was funny to me, like basically Mozgov was the linchpin to the to the Knicks deal, right? You know, because the Nuggets all of a sudden decided we got to have Timothy Mozgov or this thing, you know, right? This thing doesn't work. And then Erden was kind of an uh, an afterthought to me. And then he gets moved later in the day after the Perkins deal is announced, and you're going, why? You know, why are they doing this? Right. And then you know you find out it may be to acquire somebody, you know, maybe later Troy Murphy potentially, uh, who's, who's I believe has got his buyout or is in the process of getting his buyout so. in Golden State and some other things. So it's just a lot to chew on at trade deadline time and uh, really looking forward to the, the stretch run of the season because, you know, you don't know what's going to – I don't I don't have any idea what's going to happen. I would like to – I'd like a mulligan laying on our preseason picks if we can go <laughs> back and – can we redo it? I mean, I, that- well, I had L.A. and uh, Orlando. <laughs> In the finals, and you know we haven't even mentioned Orlando, but I, I'm not ready to count them out. No, I don't. I don't think we should count anybody out just yet. Maybe we ought to wait. Maybe we ought to wait and reseed after each round of the playoffs. Let's do it like that. Well, Lang, we we, we said we were going to talk to the people in the know about the trade deadline and kind of how the league was reshaped last week. And and one of those deals that went down that, that kind of flew under the radar on such a busy day, um, the Phoenix Suns traded away Goran Dragic and uh, picked up Aaron Brooks from Houston. Kind of surprised some people. I don't know if it surprised you, Lang. Um, yeah. Certainly didn't surprise our next guest, Paul Coral, Suns beat writer for the Arizona Republic, good friend of the show. Paul, how you doing, man? Good. Thank you, Ray Lang. Hey, man. So what, give us a breakdown, Paul, of what what the Suns were thinking in, in terms of making this move, and was it about the players, or was it about the flexibility and whatever else you get in the deal? I mean, what was the thinking behind this? 
Yeah, I, I would actually acknowledge that this did surprise me, too, because <laughs> I was uh, Wednesday morning after a, a shoot-around the day before trade deadline. I was pretty much told that there was no chance they were making a trade, but apparently this call came from Houston uh, later that day. Wow. Uh, so Houston initiated it. Uh, they wanted to be open-minded to, to things, and they felt like Aaron Brooks, over Goran Dragic was an upgrade that was going to help them make the playoffs. Wow. You know, Dragic had been a, a pick of the previous regime that, you know, Steve Kerr and Dave Griffin and Todd Quinter and those guys had been very attached to. You know, when they drafted him in the second round, they gave him a first-rounder contract and uh, called him the heir apparent to Steve Nash. But he's been he's been inconsistent. He's taken a step back this year and struggled. And he's, he's really, reputation-wise, kind of lived off a couple of games last year, you know, the big – 23-point fourth quarter against San Antonio in the playoffs and a big game at Utah, but he's been up and down, and the second unit struggled mightily. So uh, the biggest thing about this deal is they're just trying to get in the playoffs this year. They do have uh, control of Aaron Brooks as he'd be a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, But they they had to give up a first-round pick to do it, and the problem is if they don't make the playoffs, it's uh, it's, – or if – if they don't make the playoffs, it's lottery protected. So they would end up getting Orlando's pick. Mm, right. But uh, if they make it, uh, then they would get their own pick, uh, which could be like in the high teens, you know, if they're a low playoff team. Right. Paul, how does Aaron Brooks now fit in? I mean, does he become the backup to Steve Nash, or is he going to run with Nash at the same time? Or Yeah, he, he kind of fits into the, to the role they've been using. Uh, he probably – We'll get a little bit more time maybe with Steve Nash at times. Uh, they they feel like they needed somebody uh, with a little bit more aggression scoring-wise. Right. And if you look at Aaron's shots per minute, that's certain, certainly him. <laughs> Although in <his> debut, <laughs> he was quite hesitant. Uh, but he's been chucking them up and not shooting very well this year because of uh, that left ankle sprain that kept them out so long at the beginning of the year. And there was, there was a little bit of hesitancy even after – all the players were moved around about whether they were going to finalize it. They were doing their due diligence on, on checking it, and he's been playing about 20 minutes a game on it, but uh, you know, just concerns about how it would be. Uh, but they feel like he can, he can bring, with his speed and uh, his, his aggression to score, that that second unit really needed that because it's obviously you can't duplicate what Steve Nash does and the system's based much around him. Right. Um, it's anybody's going to struggle coming in after that. But maybe if they can just have a more aggressive look when he comes in and not just have the offense drop off the face of the earth at times, right. uh, then, then that can hold on better. I mean, Steve Nash, I think he's number three in the league in plus-minus right now. So it's it's been a really remarkable difference. And we've had to bring him back in games way too often with like nine minutes to go rather than six. And it's, and it's hard. I mean, he is 37. He, he's not playing like it, but he is. Paul, do you? I mean, just on the on the players alone, do you like Aaron Brooks as a better fit for the Suns than than Dragic? I mean, you personally, do you? I, I I thought Dragic was perfect for that the way they play, but obviously we don't see him as much as you do. I mean, do you like Aaron Brooks in place of him with the Suns? I like Aaron uh, Brooks if he's more like 2009, 2010 <laughs> Aaron Brooks that was getting 19 and eight. Right. Um, right. This year's Aaron Brooks that's shooting like 34%, uh, that's not going to be an upgrade. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think 
there's a thought that both guys, you know, could could use a change of scenery. Uh, Goran's just Goran's just not been that that guy this year again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, just getting people getting that second unit. There's been so many changes that it's been harder on Drogic, but he's it's kind of been on him to try to get that second unit in order, get him in the right places, and he struggled with that all year. Right. And if you look again, not to put everything on plus minuses, but he's got one of the worst in the league. Uh, but you know, his problem is he never gets to play with Steve Nash and everybody else on the team. At some point, <laughs> yeah. gets to play with him and, and, and benefit from that. Uh, but he's he's just struggled, and he, he's had a little bit of injury that sidelined him for a little bit. I actually thought in the last game before the trade was as good as he had looked all season for a half. Right. For his first half, and then he came in the second half, and you know they coughed up a big lead again. Right? Did do the players feel like this makes them a playoff team? They they think they can make that run now in the second half. I think they already felt like they were headed in that direction, and you know they think this could help. I don't think this is to them what's going to put them over the top. They had right. they had made a a, line, a starting lineup change a few weeks before the break that really turned around things. To uh, to put Fry back in the starting lineup and and uh, and then the, you know obviously Gortat's been playing like a starter but still coming off the bench and uh, they I think they I want to say they're 15 and seven now with this with this starting lineup and and so they felt like they were already headed in the right direction before this but they've got a lot of ground to catch up you know nobody in the West seems to be reeling from their losses you know right. Memphis keeps holding the ground even without Gay and. Despite all of Portland's injuries, they move on, and it's it's they feel like they gotta they gotta do it on their own and not rely on other teams to to fall back. But they're finally in a place chemistry wise that they haven't had all season. Uh, and then you know they've had some good moments like Channing Fry's uh, buzzer beater the other night that kind of helps helps that along. Paul, what would it have taken for Steve Nash to be involved on trade deadline day? Would would it have been Nash walking into somebody's office and saying, "Hey"? You know, send me somewhere where I can chase a championship right now at at this age and this stage in my career. Yeah, that would be the only thing. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they they were insistent that they would not trade Steve Nash. I mean, they're not saying that they never will, but for this season and right now, and the the level he's playing at, and they're not willing to drop back and just you know lose and be 30 and 52 to to rebuild base right the, the thought from the brass there is they want to be continue being competitive while they're going through a, a franchise you know makeover or transition right uh and so they it, it, it goes, this goes back to why they made the backup point guard trade i mean when when steve's been hurt or not in there it's been ugly and there's right. been a few peaks into what life without nash would be and it's not pretty yeah uh he's uh, yeah, he was uh, he wasn't on the All Star team this year and probably didn't deserve to be because of their record, but he's had as good a point guard season as anybody, and it's as good of a season as he did in any of his All Star years or or even rivaling his MVP year. He's, he's shooting better than he ever has in his career, and his assists have gone right re- re- back up to second in the in the West. And he's actually had a better assist rate than R- Rajon Rondo, who averages more right. you know, per minute. So there's nothing about his game if you don't look at his age that that you worry about slipping, and they feel like that you know that they can. Every, the system is so based around him that you would have to 
basically do a makeover of everything if you're if you're getting rid of Steve Nash because nobody else can can run it like he does. Right, right. And when I think of the Suns, I think of not only Nash running that system, but just representing Phoenix and. Uh, you know, I think he he might be the hardest guy in the league to trade, just in terms of the complete value of him as a citizen and a leader and all that stuff, too. Yeah, he's absolutely the face of the franchise and uh, the most easily the most popular player they've had, you know, since Charles Barkley. So right. it would be a, it would be a blow to the whole city. And and one of the points too I make about how well he's playing right now is all uh-huh. those numbers I mentioned that are so similar to all those other years. This is by far the worst cast he's had to do it with, and wow. yet he doesn't take a hit. Right. And and guys like you know Marcin Gortat all of a sudden are are double double guys every night just because they get to play with Steve. Right. right. Now that's that's interesting. I mean, you know, you think about all the guys who got moved, Paul, and Nash's name was probably mentioned as much or more than anyone's earlier on in the season, and then all of you know there was a point that where it just stopped. I mean, nobody talks about him in the days and. You know, the, really, in the last couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline, so I was kind of sitting there on Thursday thinking, hmm, maybe you know, maybe this is one of these surprise deals that gets done. And when when the dust cleared, Nash was still in Phoenix, and I thought to myself, he's just too classy a dude to go in there and say, "Hey, move me." You know what I mean? I didn't. I just. Yeah. I never saw him going in there and doing that. Well, I think that's two parts. One is the Suns' uh, brass was so forthright yeah. about their position on him that they would not trade him. Robert Sarver, Lon Babby, Lance Blake all made public statements that they would not trade him. Right. So that kind of killed any of that notion. I mean, all there was really was speculation because it made sense to a lot of people that it would be time to move him. But there was never a desire to do that within. And then Nash, too, his feeling isn't that he's just going to go chase a ring somewhere because he believes, you know, d- does he get to pick his team? Is there a guarantee that if he goes somewhere – Right. Uh, he's going to like it, and they're going to win a championship or have a great chance. And, and two, I think how many how many places are going to let him run a system like he runs here? Yeah, right. because we've seen when you try to put Steve into something else. When Terry Terry Porter was coach, and they had Shaq, and they try to put more of a post up game and uh, a different offense that Porter had brought from Detroit, he looked bad. It wasn't the Steve Nash everybody knows. So. It's got to be the right team, too, and the right uh, system that, for him to just go in and, and be successful somewhere else. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Paul Coral from the Arizona Republic joining us uh, on the Hangtime Podcast here. Uh, Pete, we know you're busy, man. Were you in Jersey tonight? You got the uh, Suns and Nets tonight? I got the big Lopez on Lopez night. <laughs> <laughs> the reunion. The reunion game, brothers on brothers. <laughs> well, try and enjoy it, man, and uh, – Hopefully the Suns are the the playoff team that that uh, they're hoping to be because we want to catch back up with you as the season rolls on, man. Here on the Hangtime Podcast. All right, I'm looking forward to it. We've Got to get out Paul. of tents for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks. Later. I, I, I hate even bringing up Steve Nash getting traded too, Lane, because nobody would want to. I mean, who? What foolish team would want to give up Steve Nash? Even even at 37, you know what I mean? He's still the dude that, like you like you mentioned and Paul mentioned, he's the face of that franchise and the guy who, you know, he, he changed everything in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, and even you know, all those other guys who were with him, you know, Sean Marion, Amari, Joe Johnson, all those guys who were Barbosa, all those guys who were there during that, 
that kind of cosmic time when they were rocking and rolling are gone, he's still there. And <laughs> part of me is kind of sad to, if you have to watch him go out go out on a you know on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. So yeah, I, I, I love what Paul said about how like. Like you, you kind of just alluded to it. Now. They, you know, they had Marion and Joe Johnson, those guys, and now it's a completely different team. But he's still got guys. You know, Gortat's a double double guy now. And, <laughs> you know, like it's it's just amazing how good he can make the people around him. Yeah, I mean, he it'd be nice to work with a dude like that. Hey, Micah, yeah, we got Micah Hart here, super producer. Hey, Micah's. Kind you know, of I was just thinking it's kind of interesting <laughs> that it may end up that Phoenix plays this thing right because they, you know, it seems like they weren't going to trade him this season, but maybe in the off season. They may end up getting a playoff spot and sort of go out on that kind of one last you know shot at it, even yeah. though you know it's not like it was last year, but one yeah. more playoff berth at least, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I they're I right there. Yeah, I was gonna say they they can. They're a game out of the eighth spot right now. The spot is to be had. You know, I mean, you can fight it out and get it if you want it. I mean, my Grizzlies are floating around down there. I kind of like to see uh, my hangtime Grizzlies get a playoff spot if you don't mind, but I don't want to do that at the expense of. You know, a player like Nash, who we all—I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't enjoy watching him play. So, uh, but yeah, that again, one of the more interesting sidelights of trade deadline Thursday last week in the NBA. Uh, Lang, do you think that that the spots? You know, you look around at the bottom of the of the standings on both sides, and you wonder who's going to make it, who's not, who's going to kind of climb their way up. Who's the one team, if you look at both sides, that you think has the best chance to go from 10, 11, or 12 and potentially into one of those, you know, maybe 8 eight or 7? I think in the East, I still think Milwaukee has a shot. Um, they're really? four games. They're 10 now. They're four games out. But, you know, as many injuries as they've had all year, and, uh, you know, now they got everyone healthy. And, and Brandon Jennings was on with us at All-Star, and he talked about how, they just got to score. They got to make shots, and uh, you know if they can get some points on the board, they they got a shot. And in the West, I I still think Phoenix. They're ten. And we just I mean that that whole seven six through ten. It's so close. Yeah. Uh, you know I, I think all those teams are are, are liable to, to at least have a chance at it going into like the last week or two. Yeah. Uh, what, about, what about you? No. I... You know, I agree. I, I think those are, are certainly good, uh, good candidates. Um, you know, in my mind, and I'm, you know, if I look at it, and you and you see Milwaukee and these teams floating around the bottom, you know, I don't know that. I, I have to admit, I'm stunned Philadelphia is playing as well as they are. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing Indiana. You know, a, a younger team that's going to play hard and and. You know, who knows what they do against one of those top teams in a playoff series. But if you've watched them play the Heat and some of these other teams in regular season games, it's been entertaining. It's been competitive. You know, they've scored a a win or two over one of the top teams. They could be intriguing in the East. And then in the West, you know, I don't know if Utah has got what it takes to do it, but I think they could be an interesting team. You know, they kind of have a scrappy team now that's going to kind of – come in and and fight in a different way. No Jerry Sloan, you know, no Darren Williams, but Ty Corbin and Devin Harris and Al Jefferson, a lot of these other guys left over who might make some real, some real noise come playoff time. I think the thing with Utah is there's a couple of sort of question marks there. You don't know exactly what you're going to get from like from Ty Corbin down to Devin Harris, even Derek Favors. And 
you know, if all those guys can turn up uh, at the same time and, and sort of hit the, the most of their potential, I, I, I don't see any reason why you, why we should count out Utah. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. We'll see. Um, but again, we'll, we got some more to get into here on the Hangtime Podcast. Let's get into it now. Hey, Sherrod Blakely Lang, uh, joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast. He's been in the middle of quite a bit of drama, uh, you know, up there covering the Boston Celtics. Uh, and Kendrick Perkins, the big name, moved there last week. Sherrod, you, listen, uh, you better get, you got some explaining to do, man. You and Danny Ainge, y'all been in the lab playing with the brainwaves. What's going on, man? Man, I, I feel like they have to protect it over here for Danny, man. Man, hey, listen, this is, this is the thing about the trade that, you know, first of all, I, I think I can speak for most people that when it first went down, there were certain shockwaves that we all felt. No one really saw it coming. You knew it was possible, but you didn't really think it would happen. But, you know, once you let this trade kind of marinate on your mind a little bit, it, it makes a lot of sense because the Celtics, they were built – to get to the NBA Finals, but there's just one slight, tiny problem. you got to get past the East to get there. <laughs> this this deal helps them do that because, look, if all you've got to throw at LeBron James and the Luau Dings and the Turkoos and now Carmelo Anthony, all you got is Paul Pierce and nothing behind him, it, that's just not going to get it done. Right. No disrespect to Von Wafer. No disrespect <laughs> to Von Wafer, but Von Wafer as your backup three is not going to get it done. Right. You know, to me it almost seems like it's a uh... – signals that they're not as worried about Orlando as they were, and now they're more worried about Miami or New York. Well, well yeah, I think they understand that, you know, Orlando is just going to be who they are. Uh, and they've got enough bigs, they believe, now to, to kind of hold their own with Orlando, but they really don't have an answer or a way to combat guys like, as I mentioned earlier, like Carmelo and LeBron and those guys. When you add right. a guy like Jeff Green to the mix, you got a guy that can play that three and four spot and can pose a lot of matchup problems for the team. Because when him and Paul Pierce are on the floor at the same time, somebody is getting buckets. One of them is going to have somebody on them that cannot guard them. And that, and the Celtics, they tinkered with that a little bit, you know, and, and the other night, and they're going to certainly keep working on that that element of their roster. And, and I think it's a good combination. But, again, I think the move more than anything else helps them get out of the East. Now, after that, who knows? Wow. Right. Sherrod did – did uh, did the players take this news as hard as it as hard as it seemed? Um, I watched the interviews with you know some of Kendrick Perkins' now former teammates, and it was like they looked blown away that this deal got done. Man, I mean, it was. I mean, it was like you know, it was like watching Contagious and, and lead singer breaks out and goes and joins the spinners or something. <laughs> I mean, these, I mean, these cats—they were devastated, and I, I had a chance. Uh, Perk, you know, kind of laid low. Uh, after the trade, but I got a chance to catch up with him actually later that night. And I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I, I lost track after 17. How many times he said, I miss them dudes. Right. I miss them dudes. I'm going to miss them dudes. And, and Rondo wouldn't even address uh, the media uh, after that first game. Uh, just because he, I, he was, I think, that kind of, you know, shook up about it. And it, it's, you know, it, it really is for these guys. It's like losing a family member. Because Perk, you, people forget, Perk came to this team when he was a teenager. And now he's leaving a, a father, you know, right. he's, 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 a, he's a grown man. They saw him literally grow up before their eyes. And when you see him leave, and he doesn't leave under his own terms, he's basically kicked to the curb. That's yeah. what happens when you get traded. 
Yeah. Uh, the guys were hurt about that. But you know what? They understand that the big picture is all about winning the championship. And they Frank, they got to trust in Danny that he knows what he's doing, and this is going to help them get closer to that. So how did, you know, as you mentioned, giving Jeff Green gives them a lot more versatility on the wings, but how do they replace Perkins now? See, that's the thing. I mean, they are banking on Shaq being healthy enough to go and Jermaine coming back at some point and giving them, you know, decent minutes at the center position. They got Chris Dick who's going to uh, give them some, some minutes as well, and they're hoping to add another guy, probably Troy Murphy in the next day or so. So they're hoping to just kind of do it by committee. But, look, Perk is, is a grimy, defensive-minded, physical, mean-mugging dude. And they got nobody. They got nobody on this team that's going to replace that. So I don't. They, they, it's just not going to happen. The guy I worry most about is Kevin Garnett, though, because without Perkins, Kevin has to really be that sole voice defensively in the front court. They don't have anybody that can play off Kevin defensively the way Perkins could. Uh, and, and so I, I, I worry about his play uh, because he's, got a lot, he's already had quite a bit on his plate before, but now he's got even more so without Perkins around. Hey, Sherrod Blakely from Comcast Sportsnet joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. So, now, I was making jokes over the weekend about Troy Murphy joining the Celtics. People kept saying, well, you know, what are they going to do? They traded Simierden and blah, 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 and Luke Heron Gody, and what are they going to do? Blah. I said, listen, man, the, the they got a 6'10 leprechaun showing up potentially and with a buyout. This dude couldn't be more Boston Celtics. Troy Murphy? I mean, Look, is, is he the answer? Murphy went to Notre Dame. <laughs> Come on. That's I, mean, what I'm I mean, can you I – mean, I mean, look, if you had to – you know, write out the the ideal Celtics. They would have their last name would be Murphy. They would have gone to Notre Dame. They would be six ten and can shoot the rock. Uh, Troy, you know, he's not going to come to Boston and be a savior or anything like that. But he's a guy that's got some skills that can help this team win some games. The one thing I think the Celtics are looking to do more so now is to find guys that can help space the floor. Yeah. Uh, and Troy Murphy, that's the one thing. Look. He's not a great rebounder. He's not going to be up for any defensive player of the year awards. Never. But he can shoot the rock. He right. can definitely shoot the rock. He can help space the floor. And if you're the Celtics, you know, if you can get a guy like that for what, a couple hundred thousand dollars and finish out the rest of the season, take it and don't ask questions. You know, you're right. Hey, Sherrod Blakely, like I said, from Comcast Sportsnet, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Sherrod, should we be surprised if if we don't see – each other in Boston during the finals? Like, after this deal, is Perk that important that this could potentially mean the Celtics not making the finals if they say they get say they get all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals and get the wrong matchup? You know what I'm saying? And Shaq, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, their, their, their fate rests, oh, as crazy as it sounds and as scary as it sounds, a lot on Shaq. Yeah. Uh, if he's able to stay relatively healthy, they're going to roll. They're going to roll through the East. They're going to be there at the finish line. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised they're going to take that bigger gamble in lieu of the fact that he's been hurt most of the season. I mean, the Celtics have played like, like 55, 50, 56 games total, and between Shaq and Jermaine, they play like 53 combined games. Now, you know, you, they cornered the market on O'Neill's. Obviously, they're not getting their most bang for the buck. Because, um, I mean, you t- those guys, they're good, but they just haven't been healthy. And the fact that so much of this team's success getting to the final will ride on those guys being healthy, it, it's, it's a little scary. That's why you've got to have a guy like Troy Murphy, a guy that, you know, if, if Shaq can't go, you can still put him out there. He can space the floor. He can do some things for you. Because right now, with the roster they have, it's good enough to go deep into the playoffs. But I don't. I, I just don't think, as they're constructed now, it's good enough to win a championship. Wow. 
You know, uh, you know, you and Danny are both gonna need like, you know, don't want y'all walking through Dorchester and getting beat up or anything, you know. And you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sherrod Blakely joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. Hey, man, enjoy it. We enjoy all your stuff, man, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it, fellas. Okay, Thanks, man. Uh, you know, Lang, I really do hope that that this thing doesn't end up costing the Celtics a chance to get back to the finals. Like, if they say they get into a playoff series and get the wrong matchup and get bludgeoned down low, you know, say Dwight gets his hands on them and the Magic somehow put it to him, put the screws to him and Dwight has a big series. You know you know the first thing out of everybody's mouth would be, eh, see what happens when you trade away Kendrick Perry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be the one thing that, that uh, hangs over him. It'll be interesting to see at the end of this season which one of these trade deadline deals laying is the one that most impacts whoever wins that title. And that, and that means what player got moved that helped his team get further maybe or put his team in a position to knock somebody out. Uh, you know, I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I agree. It's funny, you know, like we were talking about how the, the Celtics, for, when they first traded for Garnett, and everyone kind of accused them of building for the for the well, sacrificing the future for the present. Right. And when they got Ray Allen, and now that they're now that they made a move that sort of looks like they're building more for the future than the present, they're getting criticized for that too. <laughs> so it's kind of a lose lose situation, I think. Yeah, if you're Danny Ainge, you can't win this fight, and uh, but that's all right. I mean, it makes for Makes for great watching down the stretch of this NBA season and, and great conversation here on the Hang Time Podcast. We appreciate you joining us this week, guys. We we got a an abbreviated show. We didn't do our normal yap, and I got to get out of town. Um, hoping to clear customs in in uh, out of the country, not out of town. Exactly. I'm hoping to clear customs over in uh, in the UK this week, and uh, hopefully we come back with some crazy stories for you on the next episode. You been practicing your Cockney accent at all? Or? Uh, I did watch Snatch last night, so. Um, you know, I'm trying to take some pointers. We'll see. We'll see what happens, man. We'll, let's hope I get back in one piece, all right? Good luck. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next time on the Hang Time Podcast for Lane Whitaker, my co-host, Micah Hart, our super producer, and Lane Krause, the engineer, doing all the things with those magic hands. Seku Smith from the Hang Time Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 